Hey, this is Kim Davis, and welcome to another in a series of nine podcasts we are doing from the Upstars event in San Francisco, where everyone is talking about RevOps and their RevOp journeys. And to share his journey with me in this podcast, I have Dan Carpenter, who is SVP of Revenue Excellent and Operations, or RIO for short, at Carbon Black. Welcome, Dan. Hello. Hi, Kim. How are you? <laughs> Pretty good. Um, I think the thing to do is to set the scene a little bit with Carbon Black, cybersecurity, obviously, recently acquired by VMware, right. and a company which has seen pretty rapid growth. Tell us a bit more about it. Yeah, it's been a very exciting journey. Um, Patrick, who's our CEO, uh, started the company probably about 10 years ago, uh, really with all the, the passion, the mandate to keep the world safe from cyber attacks, yep. which is a, a great mission. And um, through various acquisitions, uh, growth initiatives, um, we're now about $250 million uh, business, um, IPO'd in April 2018, acquired by VMware recently in October. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, it's been a bit of an exciting journey from classic kind of uh, perpetual on-prem to cloud business yes. and a lot of growth along the way in, in a marketplace that's um, very competitive. Yeah, very dynamic market. I really want to come back and talk about the on-prem to cloud <coughs> journey, which I think is a very interesting part of this story. But first off, um, Carbon Black used to be organised, as I understand it, in a pretty traditional way with marketing and sales. I don't know customer success probably a, a later in the day arrival, but at some point, a decision was made to do things differently. Can you give us the background to that? Yeah, um, that's a great question. So. Uh, yeah, I think typically, well, originally it had a sales organization, sales leader, and then it evolved to more of a CRO model, so combining sales with um, service and support. Mm-hmm. And then most recently moving to kind of a COO model, which now included marketing. So in the go-to-market leadership function uh, under the COO, we would have uh, marketing, all the sales regions, uh, customer success, and um, uh, all the service and te- technical management, yeah. So was, that, was there a change, though, from having kind of separate functions to deciding they all had to integrate yeah, them together? Yeah, I, th- I think, it, yes, exactly right. And, I, and I, um, it happened over a period of time. Yeah. Uh, and it was more of an evolution, really through necessity rather than design, yeah. uh, I would say. And it was clear that we were going to, in a very competitive market that's moving very quickly... There was an opportunity for us to become much more aligned as a go-to-market leadership team and make sure that um, the marketing, the sales, and the customer success teams were aligned on the same strategy, the same plan, the same platforms, the same execution, around the same kind of reports, the same metrics. Um, And that, in this instance, was easier to achieve perhaps through a solid line structure than perhaps letting the CEO be the, the point of connection between those different functions. Right, right. And back to the, the nature of the business, um, having been around for 10 years, you built up a strong on-prem business. Yeah, But now successful. the cloud side of it has taken off like a rocket. Yes. It's growing much faster yeah. than the business overall. Yes. And what intrigues me is cause and effect here. Is it the move towards something more like a RevOps organization which has driven the cloud business? Or is it... The requirements of the cloud business, renewal, recurring revenue, which has driven (coughs) Mm -hmm. RevOps. Well, I'd love to say that revenue operations is really the uh, the key to it all, but I think I think to be honest, it's the other way around. Um, 
in a significant transition, if you think about what that transition really means at multiple levels, uh, the proposition is going to move from being one of on-prem or, or perpetual to one of SaaS. You're moving to a land expand, you know, mm. even a migrate, extend kind of sales motions. The sellers need to engage their customers differently. The whole sales motion changes. Yeah. Um, the demand management that you're generating up front needs to be linked to the um, the sales, you know, the sales motion, the sales execution that needs to be linked to the customer success, providing a great customer experience along that journey. Otherwise, you lose the customers along the way. Um, so, um, I think the the migration to a SaaS business um, created the need for something like um, in a growth market in a very competitive yeah. market, created the need for an operational team to come together to make that all work. Okay. Like take some of the pressure away from the commercial leadership to worry about how to manage the business and let an operational leadership team work out how to make this an efficient machine, how to manage the business, align the team on strategies and, and targets and yeah. how to have one version of the truth in terms of reporting. And, and the critical thing, I think, is it allows the commercial leadership, you know, the CRO, the COO, the marketing leaders, the sales leaders to focus on what they're great at, um, you know, creating a brand, driving demand, closing deals and allowed the operational team to focus on creating, uh, you know, integrated infrastructure, an efficient operating model, yeah. you know, uh, to execute, you know, such a transition in, in, in a really super competitive market. And I think uh, I've heard you describe it as you know, a revenue engine and you said the thing is to get all the cogs working together yeah. and then you've got something smooth going on. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you, when you get into this type of topic, I think you start seeing it as a, it's really a series of levers. Mm -hmm. uh, and and if, you, if you line the levers up, uh, the machine works efficiently or more efficiently. If the levers are not mi lined up, it, it doesn't. So, you know, called out an example in the presentation really around SMB. Yeah. You know, if you're going oh, into yes. the lower end of the marketplace, you know, understanding who the buyer is, why would they buy from us, you know, what are the campaigns to drive demand, that, the, that, that there's an engine within the sales organization to pick up that demand and execute it on as deals. You know, if you're not aligned around those different segments on who you're selling to and how and why would they buy from us and what resources we need, you know, each, each of those segments start op operating inefficiently. Um, and you get to this kind of classic question in planning, right? You, you end up in the planning cycle mm. and the executives say, well, you know, we want to invest and we want to grow. We want to achieve 20% growth. Uh, how are we going to do that? Um, you know, and there's a tendency to say, well, you know, we should go and hire a little more salespeople. Uh, not a lot of point hiring a little more salespeople if you, if you can't create the demand needed for the pipeline coverage. Right. So, you, you know, you need to look at the levers not only independently to make sure each one's efficient, but also how they link together. You know, if you're going to invest across, if you're going to inv invest across that revenue engine, where should you make the investments? In fact, sometimes it's better to invest in efficiency yeah. uh, and get and optimize the resources you have rather than, say, go and hire more people. If you hire more people but you don't have training and enablement in place so they're lined up and talking about you know, the SaaS proposition, um, if you don't have that in place, no point in hiring the people. So, so many organizations hire yeah. a load of salespeople expect it suddenly to magically generate bookings and they don't have an enablement function in place. So you, you have to look at it as a, as a set of, as I look at it as a set of levers, a set of cogs, yeah. and they all have to kind of be lined up. Yeah, and I mean, just to take you on a, on a bad journey down memory lane, you described the life before the system you just talked about, yeah. where um, there was no alignment on the go-to-market teams, 
uh, actually people talking about sales prevention rather than sales enablement. Um, there was no single source of truth because the data wasn't all in the same place. Um, there was no sense of an end-to-end -end customer experience. Those are real problems, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you end up with a leadership team that are passionate about being successful uh, within their individual silos, as it were. And, um, and I think the opportunity for revenue operations is to, in an independent way, uh, get alignment across those leaders on um, how we're going to you know, achieve the growth targets. And, and, and as you go down that journey, sometimes it's about giving up rather than taking more. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Uh, if, for example, um, if you haven't got a good post-sales experience and your churn is high, you're losing all of that revenue, is it better to put more money at the front of the funnel and try and generate more demand or should you try and fix the customer experience? You know, you've just spent, you know, nine yeah. months trying to acquire these, uh, these deals, these customers, and if you can't keep them, um, it's a very expensive journey and a very inefficient machine. So, yeah. you know, making sure you've got the right level of experience and investment in uh, customer success is, is critical to holding up your revenues. Um, so, yeah, you know, creating... Creating a leadership platform to have a conversation about where best we should invest to try and maximize the business outcome, which at the end of the day is revenue. And it could be up the front of the funnel, could be in the middle yeah. of sales execution, could be at the back end of, um, of uh, customer success or renewals, or it could be about cross-sell and upsell. Yeah. You know, it's about getting the, I think it's about getting the balance across those, uh, where you want to put the investments and how do you optimize that machine. Sounds like you need to take a fresh look at at the metrics as well because of course if the sales team is being evaluated and compensated on just getting more customers in regardless of the outcome for those customers then you're not going to be able to interest sales in customer success it has to be balanced out yeah and we saw that when we did a lot of work around lead management um, uh, you know, tr creating a pipeline, creating a demand management engine that was more efficient, put more food on the table for the children, and the children could, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. be better fed. Um, and that, that was a, a critical, you know, you look at sales performance, you go, well, why, why are we not achieving productivity? Well, it could, be, it could be many reasons, right? It could be the product's not fit for the market, um, or not fit for the segment, or the pipeline's insufficient or you've got a performance issue within sales because they don't have the right content, uh, they're not on message with what's um, being sold into the buyer. Um, there's a whole series of um, reasons why. And, and having an ability to just uh, identify where's those root causes, I think, is a critical, uh, critical opportunity. Okay, so a couple of uh, aspects of this I wanted to touch on. One is people, one is technology. Uh -huh. um, for people, you've emphasised the need to have Serious operations professionals, specialists, not just generalists. Yeah. What's your lesson there? Well, you know, I've, um, in my time doing these kind of roles, uh, there's a time and a place for career development for people, absolutely. And in a great, high-performing culture, you absolutely want to be able to offer those types of opportunities for people. But when you're, when you're establishing... When you're in a situation where you're quickly trying to establish uh, a capability, mm -hmm. um, there's not a lot of time to learn. Uh, and so hiring in leaders across different functions, you know, revenue operations functions, that are industry experts in those functions, um, definitely accelerates the trajectory of getting to a more efficient machine. 
Um, and then, you know, it doesn't mean that everybody has to be an expert. It means you have to have, you have, to have enough leadership capability that really understand what goods looks like. Um, and within those teams, you know, you've got more flexibility, perhaps, in terms of the types of roles. But, you know, one example really is um, analytics versus sales operations. Yeah. You know, in a lot of smaller companies, the role of uh, sales ops lead is also the role of uh, an- analytics. They're doing the same kind of job. But, but I think as soon as you get to a point of having some critical mass, I, I always feel it's kind of good to split those out a little bit because I think a good analyst is a really good analyst. Um, that, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's analytical, it's numerical, it's, it's got, that role's got depth in competency around data, visualization of data, understanding how to tell a story from the insights uh, in the data. Whereas, you know, an operational role is often broad. You know, it's dealing with, you know, sales process, forecasting, deal approval, planning. It's a whole breadth of things. Yeah. You know, they're, they're very good at uh, a broad set of managing a broad set of complicated topics, whereas an analyst is very good at, in depth in terms of creating insight from data. And it's tough to find people that can do, I mean, there's absolutely people that can do both. Yeah. But it is difficult to find great people that can do both. And do you need to look for people who have the mindset that they can look across these various functions and see it as a whole? Uh, well, I think that's the role, that's kind of my, in a way, that's kind of my role okay. as a leader, uh, to kind of uh, see that vision across, um, and, and, but part of it is about getting my leadership team on board with that vision, um, so we spend time talking about that, you, you, you have to, it's an open conversation, we're, we don't have the answer, we're working yeah. it out as we go along, but it logically makes sense. You know, there's certain principles in there. We want an integrated process. We want an integrated set of tools. It needs to be one set of data. Um, but we're working it out together. And I think part of the opportunity of the RevOps leader is to harness the talents of the individuals in that group to try and solve those problems together yeah. rather than trying to solve it in, in silos. And you, you create a stronger blueprint as a team on um, what does a good engine look like, uh, what metrics should we, you know, go after. It's a rel- you know, I think it's a relatively complicated topic, and yeah. um, you want all the expertise and the experience of that leadership team to help you build it. And reflecting the complexity is the tech stack. We, we yeah. had a glance at yours on the slide you presented, and usual suspects, Salesforce, Marketo, uh-huh. and so on. But Very classic. Right, and quite a number of um, solutions in there. Is that partly legacy, or did you put that together consciously and deliberately to serve what you're doing now? <clears throat> That's a really good question. I think um, <clears throat> the Marketo Salesforce Gainsight piece mm-hmm. is really the core backbone. Okay. Yeah, Marketo, obviously, for obvious reasons. Um, the, the SaaS applications around the outside of that uh, are the things that we've more recently deployed. Okay. So the different types of data solutions, how we're using, you know, Mintigo for data science, um, Clary for forecasting, um, outreach for, you know, um, prospecting, recent recent deployments of tools. And, and what we've been doing really, to be honest, is plugging, plugging areas in our stack that weren't very effective for us. I see. Okay. In terms of how we recently deployed it. But we've had a lot of work, a lot of focus has gone into uh, improving the machine, improving the core applications. So we, we have done a lot of work with uh, Marketo, Salesforce, and um, Gainsight yeah. on how to optimize those environments. And our Salesforce implementation is, what, 12 years old? Okay. So yeah. a lot of that is clean out, you know, yeah. um, getting rid of fields, reports, um, changing the... Uh, 
the way the processing functions, etc., um, to kind of make it more efficient. We, we would call it removing friction. Yeah. So we've really had a focus on how do we remove the friction um, within our environments. Uh, and, and again, it's all about um, our businesses change shape from um, uh, a perpetual business to a cloud business. Yeah. And, and that requires your tools and your infrastructure uh, to rapidly change as well. And you have lean data in there as part of the stack? We do, indeed. It forms a very important part of our stack with Salesforce. Um, we've had some, we've worked wonderfully with the lean data team. I think they've got a really great um, product. Um, helps us with our account assignments, particularly. Um, critical part of our infrastructure. Excellent. I think the only thing that remains is for me to congratulate you on your award, the Opstars Award for RevOps Transformation. Yeah, Sounds like you earned it. Well, you know, I, again, back to the team. It's a team. I wrote a note to the team about it as well. I mean, we couldn't have possibly have done what we've done if we didn't have a great set of professionals um, doing the work. And uh, I've got a, an amazing team. They're super motivated and passionate about what they do and highly capable and um, very proud of what they've achieved. Okay, great story, Dan. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Thank you, Kim.